0: Well, good evening and welcome everyone. Thank you all for uh, braving the rain tonight and coming out to meet together. I hope you all didn't get uh, drowned out on the way. Uh, Let's pray before the Lord and uh, just ask him uh, to bless our time of study tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that you are a merciful God. And we praise you tonight, Lord, for the opportunity to come together and to fellowship and uh, to just uh, share this time together as brothers and sisters in christ we're thankful for the privilege of prayer and the opportunity we have to come and just uh, share our concerns with one another and to pray for those together tonight as the family of god and uh, father we thank you for the opportunity to study your word and to learn more about you and how you desire to relate to us as our god and we as your people so father bless this time we pray and uh, may your name be exalted and glorified. And we pray this through Christ. Amen. Tonight we're walking through created to draw near and moving into chapter number 10, which is on Moses. And he's been kind of walking us through the old Testament story of this theme of the priesthood of the believer and starting with Adam and Eve in the garden and how God, Uh, designed for Adam and Eve uh, to be near to him and to relate to him and to be priests to the world. Uh, But through the fall, uh, God is now uh, redeeming a sinful people and drawing them back near again. And so we now move forward in the story to the patriarchs we saw last week, uh, God drawing near to Jacob, uh, two specific instances in which God Uh, appeared to Jacob, one in a vision and then one in real physical form as a theophany, uh, wrestling with Jacob. And in both of those cases, we see God drawing very near to Jacob and blessing him and pronouncing uh, his uh, blessings upon him and his family. And now we move forward in the story a little bit farther. And we come to uh, Moses in chapter 10. And he just kind of reminds us that... Uh, From Jacob to Levi, we kind of have this transition from uh, family, father type priests to a, a narrowing down of the priesthood to the family line of Levi. And so we know from the biblical story that Jacob's son, Levi, this is his third son through his wife, Leah, that Levi would be the father of the priestly line in Israel. So, we look at like Adam and Noah and even someone like Job and then Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and we see them functioning as priests for their families. We see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob making sacrifices, building altars before the Lord. And so they're serving in this priestly function for their families, but then it's going to narrow down to where the Levites are going to serve in this function for the nation of Israel. And so we see this transition to the Levitical priests. And then we move forward in the story to from Levi several generations later, uh, after many, many years of enslavement in Egypt to the time of Moses. And a certain Levite had a son and it was a boy that they wanted to protect. He The Bible says that he was when he was born, uh, he was a good child in the sense of he uh, was Healthy, And they wanted to save him, wanted to protect him from the decree of Pharaoh at that time, which was to kill all boys two years old and younger. And so they set out to protect this young boy, which we know uh, was Moses. And so in Exodus 2 verses 1 and 2, it says a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And he says in the chapter He says, this couple would have a priestly son and he would stand in the gap between heaven and earth. He would receive the words from the Lord to give to the people and he would hear the pleas of the people to give to the Lord. In Moses, humanity's true identity would become more vivid than in anyone before Jesus. And so he says, Moses, really of all of the Old Testament figures, is uh, a preeminent priestly figure because he communes with God. Uh, Perhaps no one was nearer to God in the Old Testament than Moses, of which we'll see in a little bit. It says that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So Moses was very near God. Moses received the words of God. Uh, Moses was the intercessor between God and the people. And we see Moses also offering sacrifices on behalf of the people. So Moses was very much a priestly figure and really kind of serves as the bridge between the former way of the priesthood of kind of being like family, fatherly type priests into the line of Aaron and the priest that would, that would come from his line for Israel. And what he does in chapter 10 is he brings us to three meetings that God has with Moses. And the first of those is a meeting in a bush in chapter three. It says that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now we may not necessarily, automatically think of this or associate this in our minds. But this mountain, Horeb, is Sinai. So Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. So when God meets with Moses here, this is the exact same place where God is going to meet with Moses and the people after he brings them up out of Egypt and they come back to receive the law. And so here is Moses. And and by this time, Moses has grown up, he has fled from Egypt because of the incident where he killed an Egyptian in defending a fellow Israelite. Now he's on the run from Egypt from Pharaoh and he goes to Midian. He ends up marrying a wife of uh, the daughter of Jethro and he starts to have a family and he's just now a simple sheep herder. He's a shepherd for 40 years in the wilderness and At this particular point in time, God comes to him, meets with him at this sacred mountain and calls him. And verse two says there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he suggests in the chapter that the most holy place is movable because it's wherever God is. So We can even see this later on once the tabernacle is constructed, that the most holy place is movable. It goes from place to place wherever God leads them to go. But even here before the construction of the tabernacle, the most holy place is where God comes to meet with his people. And so here he is in a very visible form in the form of a fire burning in a bush, but not consuming him. And he says that this is holy ground. And he draws a point out of the fact that the fire is there, but it's not consuming uh, the the bush. And he says, with this, we see both the awe, the fear that should go along with the power of God, but also God's tenderness in drawing us near. in in the chapter, he says that uh, the consuming fire is not to be trifled with, But it's also the life who gently cleanses and purifies and invites us to draw near. And so it is a fire, but it doesn't consume. And he says to Moses to remove his sandals, which was a way of symbolizing the fact that Moses needed cleansing, right? Moses needed purification. He was a sinner and the taking off of his sandals, his dirty feet was a symbol of the fact that he needed cleansing to stand before a holy God on holy ground. And so the Lord invites him in, even though he's a sinner, he invites him into his presence, but cleanses him as he draws near. And then there's a conversation, which is really an amazing thing. When you look at it, here is a dialogue, a conversation between God and Moses, a a dialogue that probably you won't find anywhere else in the old Testament, other than perhaps Abraham when Abraham is negotiating with God for the lives of the people of Sodom, where Abraham and God are going back and forth and negotiating. And here you have God and Moses going back and forth in dialogue and Moses saying, no, I'm not the one. Uh, You you need somebody else. Uh, I'm not someone of good speech. I'm not a good speaker. And they have this dialogue back and forth. And he says, this is really the image of being in relationship with God. And Moses is kind of the preeminent example of it in this dialogue, this conversation. He says, this is an image-bearing priest on grand display. We alone are like God in such a way that he speaks to us. We listen. We speak to him and he listens back and forth. This is what can happen when God comes close. And it was a distinctive feature of Moses's life. Isn't that, it's amazing, isn't it, when you think about it, that God making us in his image, one of the things that marks us out as people from the rest of the entire creation is this ability to speak with God, to speak and to communicate with God and he with us on a rational, intellectual level using words. And here's Moses kind of living that out, this image bearing uh, relationship with God. And then, so he meets with him in a bush and then he meets Moses on a mountain. And this is after he has brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. And they come back to the same mountain where God called him from the bush. They come back to Sinai. And at this point, we have really a meeting of heaven and earth. He says, He says, when Moses led the people out of Egypt, he was invited again to speak with the Lord. This time, heaven and earth met at Mount Sinai. And what I thought was interesting in the chapter, if you had a chance to read it is at this point, he makes a a connection between this meeting between Moses and God and the vision that Jacob has where he sees a ladder of angels going up and down, descending up and down this ladder. He says this mountain is the ladder. Moses is going up and down this mountain and meeting with God uh, at the top. It's a meeting of heaven and earth. And so there's a, this heaven coming down. And then uh, you have Moses going up, you have Aaron going up, you have the elders of Israel going up, part uh, partway up on the mountain. And in Exodus 24, it says that the elders of Israel actually saw uh, a, a heavenly scene. In Exodus 24, verse 10, it says, And saw the God of Israel, and under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli and as bright blue as the sky. And so they're seeing at least a little glimpse, a little foretaste, if you will, of heaven come to earth right there at Mount Sinai. And Moses and Aaron and the elders of Israel are able to see this. And in Exodus 24 says that at that point, the elders of Israel have a meal on Mount Sinai in the presence of God. But then Moses is called to go up further. Um, And Moses is called up to the summit, which he likens to the most holy place of the tabernacle or the temple. So you have uh, Aaron and the elders of Israel. They're able to come inside the holy place. But then only Moses, as like the high priest, can go up to the most holy place in the presence of God through the veil, if you will through the cloud to meet with God. And it says that the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. And for six days, the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. And he says this mention of six days draws us back to creation where you have God creating for six days, And then on the seventh day he rested, but also on the seventh day, he had human beings who were made, didn't he? And he suggests that on that seventh day and God ceasing from creation began his fellowship with man on that seventh day. And so he says, Moses is like a new Adam walking and talking with God on the seventh day. So he goes up for six days, there's silence. And on the seventh day, God speaks to him. And while he's up there, he's up there for a total of 40 days and 40 nights. And as a result, his face is shining. Drawing near to the Lord is transformational. You can't help but be transformed when you're in the presence of the Lord. And so drawing near to God changes us as it changed Moses. And so he met him in a bush. He met him on top of a mountain And then he's also going to meet him in a small tent. And this refers to the tent of meeting. This is a tent of meeting that was even before the tabernacle was completely finished. This was a tent of meeting within the camp of Israel, where God would meet with Moses. And it says that the Lord would descend and come to Moses at the tent of meeting. And in these meetings, we, we see this description of God speaking to Moses face to face. Exodus thirty three eleven, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And so we have this communion, conversation between God and man between God and Moses. And when it says that he spoke to him face to face, I don't take it that Moses saw the full glory of God in these instances. As we see elsewhere in Exodus, it's not possible for Moses to see the full glory of God. Even when Moses requests to see the glory of God, God says, I'll show you a portion. I'll show you my, my backside as I pass over you. So I I take this as a metaphor a figure of speech face to face. It has to do with the the closeness of relationship, the closeness of communication between God and Moses. And it is a, a really good picture of his priestly role. And then he walks us through some of the ways that Moses functions as a priest for Israel. One of those is he established altars and made sacrifices and burnt offerings. He guarded and kept the temple mountain to protect the people. He uh, made a stand for God's holiness. When the people rebelled, Moses took a stand and said, who is with the Lord? Who is, who is with him? He uh, led people into war and Exodus 17 is the example of Moses lifting up his hands. And when his hands were lifted up, the Israelites succeeded in battle. He was like the representative of God. He was the priest interceding on behalf of the people of God. He taught and applied the words of the Lord to the people. And preeminently, it was his nearness to God that identified him as a priest unto the Lord. And one of the things that he talks about in this chapter that I thought was really important and helpful is that we know that going forward in biblical history, in the biblical story, that Aaron becomes the father of the priestly line. And all of the subsequent priests uh, in Israel's history were to come from the line of Aaron. And out of that line of Aaron would also be the one who would be chosen to be high priest at any particular time, but always in the line of Aaron. But then you ask, well, what about Moses? Well, Moses is kind of like the progenitor, if you will, of the whole priestly system. Because Moses was over Aaron, wasn't he? So they're brothers, they're both Levites. And so in that sense, Moses has the right to be a priest because he comes from the tribe of Levi. But Moses is also the one handpicked by God To be this mediator between God and the people, he kind of establishes the whole priestly system, doesn't he? He meets with God. He receives the law. He receives the instructions for the tabernacle. He receives the instructions for Aaron's clothing, for the turban, for the way that sacrifices were to be done. And even before Aaron did his first ministry as high priest, guess who offered a sacrifice to consecrate Aaron? Moses did So Moses is like the progenitor of all the high priests in the line of Aaron. And so he makes this point in the chapter. He said, Levites worked in the tabernacle courts, but they couldn't get as near to the most holy place as the priests who descended from Aaron. Moses and Aaron came from Levi, but Moses did not come from Aaron. Since Moses clearly came close to the Lord, closer than any Aaronic priest, he is a small reminder that non-credentialed people like us might also be able to come near to God and he might come near to us. And he just makes this point of saying that technically Moses wasn't in the line of Aaron, but yet he was able to draw near and stand before God as high priest. And then in chapter 11, really staying close to this uh, text in Exodus with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, we see this reference to the people of Israel being called a nation or a kingdom of priests. In Exodus 19 verse five, it says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. And so then we have to ask the question that he kind of deals with in this chapter. Well, how can you have a, a whole nation of priests, but you have a special tribe or a special family of priests within a nation of priests? How does that work? so he talks about that. He says, we have essentially with the Levites and the line of Aaron, we have priests among a nation of priests. And so in the law of God, the priestly line was demarcated and very specific. It was through the tribe of Levi. And also the priests had to be from the family line of Aaron. And so when we think of priesthood, we think of Aaron and the family line of Aaron. So priests represented the people and the high priest actually wore symbols of the people on his vestments, but the people in general were not priests, at least in the technical sense. But he says, we have reason to think that the line of priests was going to expand. So it's almost like think of, think of it like an hourglass for a moment. So earlier in the biblical story, you have essentially father type priests leading their households. So you had a lot of priests like Job or Abraham or Adam making sacrifices, being representatives for their families. But then as the storyline moves forward, it's you see kind of a narrowing of the priestly story down to Levi and down to Aaron. But then with this statement of a kingdom of priests and then moving forward in the biblical story, we kind of see even a growing expansion again of this theme of priesthood being distributed to all the people of God. And just as a symbol or kind of a foreshadow of that, we see a few examples in the old Testament of priests outside the line of Aaron. We saw Melchizedek already, And then we see Moses, who technically is not of Aaron because he's a brother of Aaron. But even moving forward from there, we see Samuel. Samuel is interesting because he's not even from the tribe of Levi. Samuel is of the tribe of Ephraim. And yet we see him taking on priestly functions. So in 1 Samuel 16, 2, Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And there was even an instance in which Samuel told Saul to wait for him to offer a sacrifice. So it wasn't within King Saul's jurisdiction to offer a sacrifice. It was within Samuel's to offer a sacrifice. So Samuel is functioning in a priestly way, even though he's not from the line of Levi. And then you have this reference to David's sons in 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel 8.18, it says, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was over the Kerethites and Pelathites, and David's sons were priests. Now, David is not of the tribe of Levi. David is of the tribe of Judah. And so we have Samuel from Ephraim. Now we have David's sons from Judah. and priestly language, or even hear the label priest as applied to them. And then even earlier in the biblical story in Exodus 12, 1 through 11, we see where really all of the families of Israel functioned in a priestly way when they offered their own Paschal lambs and applied the blood to the doorposts before the night of Passover. And so this concept of priesthood, while in the law and for most of Israel's history, is demarcated to the line of Aaron, we see hints along the way that it's not just for them, that there is an expansion intended. So he says, it wasn't the temple or Levi that defined the priesthood. The key was holiness and holiness, an essential condition for priests in which they were chosen by God, set apart for him and cleansed, was going to be available to everyone. Holiness would define all of God's people. The people as priests came first. The Levitical priesthood did not replace the people as priests. It simply offered a more concentrated version of priestly life that would eventually be redistributed to all the people. So when Exodus 19 says a kingdom of priests, all of God's people are priests. But that so when the Levites that are chosen, the line of Aaron is chosen, their priesthood doesn't replace the priesthood of the Israelites in general, but they are a more focused priesthood. This means that you are a treasured possession. Talking about you and I now. We are a treasured possession out of all creation. God determined that those whose allegiance is to him are of great worth. And when you have a treasured possession, you keep it close and never let it go. You are among a kingdom of priests, men, women, and children wear the priestly garments. As per the original calling, you go out and serve as priests of the nations that are presently far off. You are brought into a holy nation. You are not holy because you are pure in yourself or closer to perfection than your neighbor. Only God makes us holy." Humility and thanks therefore are the natural response of all priests. And we'll see this later on in the book as well. But Peter reminds us that we are this kingdom of priests. He takes that language of Exodus 19 and in first Peter chapter two, he applies it to all believers, all Christians. Now we are a holy nation a royal priesthood, he says. And so now we have been called out, set apart by God, and not just a special group of Christians, but all Christians are called to be priests before the Lord and then to represent Him before the world. So we, all of us, every single one of us as God's people are called to draw near to God, to draw near to him, to relate to him in holiness. And I love this last comment in chapter 11, that it is, we are not the ones who make ourselves holy. We can't, can we? It's impossible for us to make ourselves holy. God is the one who makes us holy. And how does he do that? He does it through our great high priest, doesn't he? Through Christ. God makes us holy and therefore makes it possible for us to come near. And the veil was rent in half, wasn't it, when Christ died on the cross. And now all of us as God's people are invited in, into the presence of God. And so now we draw near to God and now we represent Him to the world. We are the intercessors, if you will, between God and the world. And He has called us uh, to that by His grace. And so his primary goal in this book is to just walk us through this theme, but for the sake of it, reorienting our thinking about our relationship with God, the high status that we have before God by His grace, and then the accompanying responsibility, the accompanying task that we have as priests to the world, given this high calling. And so this is intended to be a reshaping, a reorienting of our thinking about how we think about our role before God in the world. And so my prayer is that um, it will do that as we continue to walk through this study together. Let's bow in prayer tonight. Our father, we thank you for the grace that you have shown to us. We thank you father for the story of Israel, the story of Moses, how Lord, your grace rested upon him, chose him for a special task, protected him. And then Lord, you set your calling upon his life. And Moses became a priest before you, and you gave him your word, which he then delivered to the people. And Lord, from Moses onward, we see this theme continuing to unfold of you drawing a people near and of you drawing near to us. And so father, I pray that now as your people in Christ, that we would continue father to uh, come to know you in a greater and greater way through your word and through your indwelling spirit. And they, we might draw near to you and that we might be faithful priests, representatives of you before the world. God bless us as your people, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.